Hi guys and welcome back to the Salem's Lot podcast. I'm the host today, Claire, and I'm joined by the lovely Marcus. Well, hello there. Hello. It is quite a nice day today. We are surrounded by our books and our plants that are getting some sunshine. And yeah, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy about the fact that we managed to make it to the double digits on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this was an idea for this podcast that came about largely because of our new reading habits now that we're getting into this new sense of routine Mm -hmm. that lockdowns ended and um, I'm back at work here soon to be back um, in education again and we just we're trying to find that downtime yeah that space that just area to relax near each other and Mm -hmm. you know I'm a big fan of FIFA so (laughs) I play a lot of FIFA but I'm also like I want to be able to you know learn things and also open my mind a bit because as fun as it is doing a road to glory from the third tier of the Bundesliga <laughs> up to being the champions of Europe I'm not really learning much in the process other than how to wiggle my fingers in the correct way yeah so um this the fact that we got to double digits um and the fact that we've fallen in love with reading again mm-hmm. I thought like why not this is a perfect opportunity yeah and you also suggested that maybe every 10 podcasts um, we do a little update of what books we've completed, um, what we're currently reading. Um, and yeah, because we've both always loved reading, both like writing, although you're much more prolific than me <laughs> with your writing. Um, I don't write very much anymore, the odd wee poem. And it just helps you refine those skills as yeah. well um, and find a routine. And I'm trying to find some creative outlets for myself while you're at work and um, yeah, I think just getting that routine of reading has helped us a lot. And what I'm seeing here, because the way you've got it structured is, uh, Claire's got her row from left to right is what she started reading recently, and uh, when we started reading again, right up up until the book she's currently reading now. And I'm the exact same. Um, and you've got four four books in front of you. And I just want to clarify: this isn't four books that we've managed to read in ten podcasts. This <laughs> is four books we've managed to read since we started up doing the podcast again after our brief hiatus. Yeah, about a week, a week and a half. About a week, a week and a half. So um, I'm impressed, you know, um, just by you know the sheer wealth of different genres and books and mm-hmm. ideas that are going on here. It's definitely a smorgasbord, but all of them look enjoyable in their own way and mm-hmm. I'm excited to dip into them a little bit and find out a bit about your books and I'm happy I'm excited to tell you a little bit about yeah. mine so I'll just start off when we first started reading again I picked up a book called When God Was a Rabbit by Sarah Winman I think it was published you know 2014 I've had it lying there for what years. was the story about you getting that book you were telling me yeah so there was a WH Smith where I used to live I was obsessed with it as a teenager. You know, they had the upstairs all books and downstairs was their stationery and drawing materials. Um, I would go there every single Saturday with uh, not pocket money, but, you know, money your parents had just gave yeah. you to go out. And I would spend most of the day in there with one of my friends. And we were in one day and they had a newspaper for sale. And it was, if you buy this newspaper, you get a free, well, you get a book for a pound, basically. Uh, so I got it. And it's just kind of been lying there. Never got around to reading it. Which is kind of sad because I really enjoyed it. I mean, that's how I am with... If we look to our left here, I know... Um, listeners here, you probably you can't see this. But if you close your eyes and imagine 
a relatively spacious bedroom. In the far corner, there's a bookshelf <laughs> built into the wall. And the whole thing is not covered in books. In fact, I've got quite a lot of random junk, CDs, a <laughs> camera, some video games, aftershaves, birthday and Christmas cards. But near the top, the top two rows specifically, we've got books lined across. And I've read about a quarter of them. Yeah, not to mention the books um, in the outhouse shed mm. that I've brought, um, which have all been read, but they're all young adult. Um, so yeah, this book was really good. I'm glad I started with it. It's sort of just, it's following the story of a young girl um, who has an older brother and their love for each other and their love for their family and how that changes and adapts as they get older. Their family come into a little bit of money, so they move and they experience new people, they move to Cornwall, so there's, you know, they learn, they get a boat and they learn how to, to fish and to sail, and it's just a lovely book following how some of these, the love that you have for people changes over time, and you fall in and out of love with even your own family, and but you always come back to them. She has a little rabbit when she's younger, she doesn't have a lot of friends, her brother gets at it, and it's called God. That's why, that's where this... Um, title of the book comes from and you know it's her little safe space and she ends up getting a friend who's troubles at home and she reconnects with her years later and it's just a really wholesome book with a lot of important messages about life in general and life doesn't always go as planned and sometimes it goes well and you know the dad's constantly thinking that something bad he's due bad luck um and yeah, it just it it like sort of a character piece. Yeah, it doesn't sound like one that's necessarily got like a act one, act two, act three. No. It sounds like a meandering, based on real life kind yeah. of. Well, not based, but you know that way that life kind of ebbs and flows yeah. instead of has that direction. And I quite like those kind of books for the pure fact that they can be more relatable, hmm. and it's nice to not always have a strict plot that you're trying to work out what's happening. You just sort of follow and you connect with it in ways and, you know, everybody's life goes through ebbs and flows with people and it's just quite, it's quite a nice little reflective piece. Well, the first book I jumped back into was tonally and um, narratively the complete opposite of that. <laughs> well, yours was a character piece that meandered through a person's life Um Mine's was The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. So it's a detective novel. It uh, wasn't written anytime recently. Which a good few decades ago. Um, back in like the 30s, 40s, I believe. Give me a second. I'll check for you when the initial print was. Because this guy is super famous. First published by 1968. Okay, so not as far back as I think. Um, I never bought this book. My brother does English at university. Or he did anyway. He recently graduated. So... One of his courses that he did was in detective fiction. So um, his room, similarly to ours, is got stacks of books, um, tons of stuff, you know, Anna Karenina, all the important books, quote unquote. So some of these other ones, the smaller ones, kind of got stuck into this study. Mm -hmm. There are just books popping out of all seams and crevices of this house. Yeah. Um, so I, I saw this and I wasn't attracted necessarily by... Anything about the front cover or anything like that. I just heard that Raymond Chandler was a famous, good author, and he was in detective fiction. My thoughts being, I want something easy mm -hmm. to dip my toes in. Character stories are all well and good, but um, I like something short and snappy, generally. Um, at least to get my toes into it. Mm -hmm. And what a better place to start than detective fiction with short chapters, 
with very easily identifiable characters and with a very easily to follow plot, yep. more or less, with just twists and turns in the way. Um, as far as detective fiction goes, thoroughly enjoyable, um, com completely inoffensive, just everything you imagine like a 30s noir movie to be with yeah. your femme fatales and your uh, cigar chomping yeah. villains and you know a, a quick-witted detective all that stuff all your big cliches before mm -hmm. they were big cliches really um this book with it's got wonderful writing i remember reading to you the imagery that's yeah. some, that was in uh -huh. some of this book um the raymond chandler has an eye for wicked imagery um does it's not going to set the world on fire you no. know, it's not going to win the Man Booker Prize. Uh -huh. but Enjoyable book. Enjoyable. And, well, I've got, what, four more books after this one? So, yeah. clearly, it wasn't so much of a disappointment in any sense that I didn't continue on yeah. with that journey. So, would I recommend Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep? I would. Yeah. And I would also um, recommend When God Was a Rabbit as well. Although, the fact that I've enjoyed all the books here, there's going to be a common theme that I would recommend. Yeah, it goes without saying that we were talking about this with movies... You might watch the end of a movie and be like, well, that's crap. Yeah. But if you're reading a book, generally, unless the book's quite short, like this one I've got holding up here that yep. we'll get to, um, it's worth a read because you're not going to make that journey unless you think it's worth your time. Yeah, exactly. So, moving on to your next book. Yeah, Claire. well, on your detective fiction as well, I'm quite interested to read a couple of the books that you've read too. Yeah. Um, my family really like detective books. I love the Sherlock Holmes books, which are... Older yeah, you put me on the Sherlock Holmes books. Yeah, and so yeah, I think you might not want to read a couple of mines because they're quite, I don't know, they're more character PC ones. But yeah, I'd, I'd give a couple of years ago eventually. We've got a list of books we've got to go through. But yeah, the next book I have here is Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which I got from your mum. She recommended that as well as one of the other books here. And the book is by Gail Honeyman. Now, this book won the Costa Book Awards Prize in 2017. Ooh. Okay, I wonder um, what you get with that. Is it like a lifetime supply of coffee? <laughs> That'd be good, because their be coffee's right. expensive. Right. But it's also tasty. I'd prefer the, the beans. I could just yeah. grind it up myself. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, and it was also the number one Sunday Times bestseller. Um, this book was, you know, there's a quote here. It says, funny, touching, and unpredictable. It was very touching. It's basically, you know, about a woman in Glasgow who was originally from England, and she is very socially... Inept. Inept. Awkward, but she doesn't think that she is. She's quite well-spoken. She studied classics at university, and it's about her story of coming to grips with what happened in her childhood. Um, she, she went through a lot of trauma in her childhood, trying to get out of her routine and her rut she'd got herself in. She makes a really good friend... She ends up going to therapy and then, not to spoil everything, but, you know, it's just, it's another one that follows somebody's story. Mm -hmm. um, and she's a young woman, she's 30, and she's struggling from loneliness. So that's what I thought was really interesting about, because usually we think of lonely people as being older generations whose family don't visit or whatever. So, yeah, I found that really interesting to read an account of somebody who was younger and struggling with issues just the same as an older person would, um, and the kindness of people around her who she never thought cared, but ended up becoming her best friend, you know? And it, it was, it was it was sad at points, but I finished that book in, like, a day, a day yeah, and a half. Yeah, you that book. Um, the same with the next book I'll talk about. It, I, I just, once I get into a book, 
I eat it. <laughs> it was yeah. like a day and a half. Um, so I would I would recommend this. And who was it? Nicole? No, it wasn't Nicole Kidman. Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon um, bought the rights to make this into a movie a couple of years ago. Obviously with COVID, I think everything's been halted. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see what they do with a movie on this. Yeah, you think it'd be good? I think they could do it well. There's enough in it to do it well without being overbearing for a movie. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Well, I read books much slower than you. Um, I don't eat books. I nibble. <laughs> I, I chew. I take I take the sweet time of tasting all the flavours. Not to say that you don't. I just can't read as fast as you. And I accept that. Yeah, I seem to have more books in front of myself. Um, but I think that's also because if I put my books on top of yours or beside yours, you can maybe fit three of mine into yours. Yeah, and also the next book you're going to talk about was a bite-sized one, although it looks bigger. Yeah, and you, you and read it as read well. That, yeah. Um, so this is a book, unlike any of the ones that we're going to talk about, I first laid my eyes on it in Waterstones yeah, or Tesco, both one of like, the two, That's so pretty. about a year ago. Um, immediately the cover just drew me in with its kind of fountain pen design, really minimalistic drawings. It's called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Maxey. You probably already know the mm-hmm. book um, before you listen to this podcast. If you don't, it's a beautiful hardcover that teaches simplistic, easy life lessons um, in the form of a children's story that is the most optimistic, beautiful little children's Stunning. book that I've read in years. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because to do so would be to spoil it, but it's just uh, once... It's just a book that you always come back to, pick it up if you're feeling down. It's like the kind of book you can pick up. And funnily enough, it's the only book that I read all the way through in a one because it is a children's book. It's got yeah. lots of pictures and stuff. Um, but... It was touching. It's a touching book. Um, and I would recommend it to anybody. It's also one of those books that looks beautiful. You know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but it is stunning. Yeah. And it is one you would want on your bookshelf purely so that you can pick up and look at some of the illustrations as well. As a parent, there are life lessons in here that I think would be good to impart on kids. Yeah. Through the dialogue between the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. Because each one kind of takes on a different aspect of identity. Yeah. Um, and it tackles things like loneliness and uh, pride and how you um, see yourself. You see and... yourself. Um, really wholesome, beautiful book. Um, you know, my heart tells me that this probably is my favorite book of everything that I've read. But I've got another book that I've thoroughly enjoyed. But it's more literary. See, purely from uh, walking away feeling good. Yep. This is the book that I've read recently mm-hmm. that I would just employ anybody to give it a shot. Yeah. It's just important to give it a shot. And with that, um, we'll move on because I could talk about that book all day. Yeah. The next book I have was also from Marcus's mother and it is The Beekeeper of Aleppo by Christy Leftery. I'm terrible with her names. (laughs) So um, this was also an international bestseller. Oh, it's such a sad book. Yeah, it seemed particularly sad when you were like, it's about Syria. I was like, oof. Yeah. It follows the story of refugees from Syria and their journey to the UK um, to reunite with other friends of theirs who had had to flee Syria and I think it's an important book that people who are maybe insecure or unsure about the refugee situation in the world people who don't really know their feelings about it I would say give this a read because it's not coming from a point of view of either side of 
bring in every single refugee or like don't let any in at all. It's very just a true account. Um, the woman who wrote this worked in a refugee camp and that um, influenced what she wrote about in the stories um, that she told in this. And it's a very, it makes you reflect um, on how these a lot of these refugees don't want to leave their country. They wait until the very last second until there's no other option. You know, they love their country. They would go back in a heartbeat. But the country that they loved isn't there anymore. Um, and, there's, you know, people lose children in their own country and people lose other loved family members. And it, it's just very thought-provoking to make you see things as much as you can from their point of view because we would never understand unless we were refugees ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've always been one for if you have the money to go into war, you should have the money to look after the people who are displaced because of war. But this affirmed it more for me. Um, that, you know, they're not here to steal money and to take all our jobs. They're here because nowhere else is safe, basically. Mm. And if things were better in their own country, they would go back. So, yeah, I would recommend this book to most people, um, like the others. But this one, prepare yourself, because it is a little bit sad. But it's, tear joker, maybe have yeah, the tissues by the bed. Yeah, I had a wee tear in my eye a couple of times, and I don't really cry at books or mm. movies, but yeah, I think it's quite an important book, is how I would describe it. Right, I'll run through my next two, and then we'll get to what book we would, out of all of our individual mm-hmm. choices, recommend. And then we'll just briefly touch on what we're planning to read because we mm-hmm. both bought a few books. Um, so we have a rough idea of where we're going yeah. in our reading careers. Um, so I mentioned when I was talking about The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, um, another book that I was thoroughly impressed by that was more literary. It's called Paul Auster's New York Trilogy. This book and the one after it both tackle identity but in radically different ways. Paul Auster's New York Trilogy is in essence, an anti-detective novel. Each of the three stories within it, um, although it's called a trilogy, I think it amasses to just over 300 pages. So roughly on average, it's about 100 pages per story. Um, Very, not really connected Mm -hmm. from plot to plot. It's not like we follow one character, but there is this um, private eye um, career that comes up time and time again. And it's a kind of approaching the monotony of that situation. or just the absurdness of being asked to do the task that private detectives do and how it's different from every other occupation you can find yourself mm-hmm. in. And then often how that plays on your mind, especially if you're following somebody around for months, yeah. how um, you feel that they become a part of your life and um, you begin to struggle to separate yourself from them. The detachment that you have to have as a private detective from your own personal life if you're on a case what is your life? You kind of just exist in this conundrum mm-hmm. to be a blank slate that is then applied to, from a case-by-case basis using your set of skills. Um, I remember saying to you when I was reading this, several times I'd stop and I'd say, I've read 200 pages of this book and nothing's happening. Yeah. Nothing's happening in this book. But I kept saying, it's great, but nothing's happening. And it's a real gift of a writer to be able to keep your attention for 200, 300 pages when really... Um, Nothing is happening other than the characters are just following people around or watching them. Um, there's no great plot development. Going back to Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep, things are happening every five yeah. pages. There's always a twist and turn. Paul Auster's New York Trilogy is not that. The Observer called it um, a new departure for the American novel. And I came to see 
where they're going from with that. It does kind of remind me of The Great Gatsby in the way that that questions identity in America. Mm -hmm. And this book also, for me, um, gives a sense of like the fluidity, fluidity of identity and what is your identity, what is your personality, um, who are you, and what about you is just imprinted from the people you surround yourself yeah. with. And then I think that's why um, the detective novel like the that's a really interesting place to take that from because you are effectively giving up yourself mm -hmm. to do these kind of jobs um i don't know what to say um i would only recommend it to people who are willing to go through it you know and really pay attention to it um this is another one that my brother got for his detective fiction class he hated this book he really didn't like it um i don't know if i could read it again immediately but I still think about it. There's a lot to digest. It's yeah. one of those books. I think it's probably out of all the books, the one that I think about that's left an impression on the way that I think about things. Um, so for that, I'd give it a recommendation. Yep. But you'll know when you're reading it within five pages if this is for you because it demands concentration. Yep. It demands effort. and It demands patience. And if you're willing to give it all those things and you're willing to just keep your mind open, it is, well, for me... It's probably been the most enlightening and yeah. um, rewarding literary books that I've read this year mm -hmm. of anything. Next one is Poor Cow by Nell Bunt. Um, it's a Virago modern classic. Um, I don't know what to say about this book. It's 141 pages. It follows a woman named Joy who um, similarly struggling with identity. She got married when she was young. She had a child. Her husband was a thief, went to prison. Um, and she just kind of falls through life, kind of like some of your characters do in When God Was a Rabbit yeah. and things. Um, she's trying, but she doesn't know how to try in a successful way. Mm -hmm. um, she, it questions things about um, women's role in their own sexuality, uh -huh. women's role in like modern life now that they go get jobs and things like that, the expectations that men hold or held on them about yeah. you stay at home once you're married, um, the confines of marriage back in the day. It's from the 60s, isn't it? So that would have been yeah. when all these things were changing and people were so, like female empowerment. I think that, in essence, it's got good ideas, you know? And I think maybe if I hadn't read such a good book before it, tackling also identity, I would have more patience for it. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting. I didn't enjoy it, though. I found it a slog. Yeah. Um, I think that it's rushed. I think that it's not very well written. I know that in some respects it's meant to be that way. But for me, the direction it went in um, and the way that it's written wasn't enough for me to recommend it to anybody. Yeah. So with that, let's move on to what our picks of the week would be or our picks of the podcast. I would say out of the three books here and also the fourth that we both read, mm -hmm. The Beekeeper of Aleppo would probably be the one that I would recommend the most, simply because it's quite topical, you know, the issue of refugees always coming up, um, whereas the other two books are, you could read at any time. Yeah. But yeah, that would be my recommendation. Having done an English degree and therefore having that, you know, books have to be, you've got to have ideas, you've got to have big grand ideas um, I kind of detest the fact that I probably will end up recommending Paul as the New York Trilogy because it does fit snugly into that box of things that I hate and going back to Raymond Chandler's A Big Sleep, that was the book that got me back into reading mm -hmm. and yet within two books here I am reading these kind of books again Yeah. Um, nonetheless 
got to be that one. It's got to be that one. It's it's by far the most interesting and thought-provoking book that I've read. Um, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse holds a special place in my heart. And I think I'm, I'll do a dual recommendation, but this one, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, is like for anybody. Yeah. You know, no um, it's not age. really like a book club kind of thing. It's just no. like a um, if you want to think about being a better person or you want to like, um, you know, just think about how you act. Um, it's not really for a book club. That's just a life lesson like book. Timeless as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I don't recommend Paul Austin's The New York Trilogy because it's so um, hard to break into, less people will try and read it. But. Anybody that picks up the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse will love it. Yeah. I firmly believe that. So my pick this week will be the New York Trilogy. Um, and I'm looking forward to see 10 podcasts from now. If that, if that appearance, if my thoughts about it hold. Because um, I know that they will about Charlie Mackesy's book. Yeah. But whether my thoughts about the New York Trilogy hold having read more books mm-hmm. in the future. Um, whether I still hold it as highly as I do now. Or whether I'm like, oh, that was intellectual. I must recommend that most intellectual <laughs> I studied, one that I've read. I studied this, so I find this great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on from that, looking we have... Looking forward. Looking forward. Um, we have the books that we're currently reading. I made it through five pages of this last night and fell asleep. I've not been feeling very well recently. Mm. Um, just generally run down, sore head, that sort of thing. But yes, um, How to Kill a City by P.E. Moskowitz. I've heard of that book before. Yes, we spoke about this in the gentrification episodes. I got it. Well, Marcus bought it for me. And yeah, I'm really excited to get into it. It looks as if it is, like I was saying last time, based heavily in America. Um, And it also tackles inequality and race and how, from the looks of it, gentrification is happening at such a fast rate in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've only really read the preface and the introduction just now, and I'm really excited to, to keep reading it. It's got a lovely cover as well, which I always appreciate in a book. Very nice. Well, not to get too meta with it, I just realised this, but we're doing a podcast about books, mm-hmm. and this book is inspired by a podcast. <gasps> the main blows. <laughs> the book that I'm currently reading is Welcome to the Night Vale, a novel by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. Um, if you've not listened to the podcast, go give it a try. Um, I really enjoyed it. I used to use yeah. it for runs. Yeah, um, going on, good. Not having the runs, going on a run. <laughs> and I, I I don't want to comment too much on it then, because I know that in 10 podcast time, when we have like 50 books in front of us, and this podcast will have to be split into like seven different installments, <laughs> and it should be its own podcast by that point. Um, yeah, I'm working my way through it. Um, it's very true to the Welcome to the Nightville podcast. It seems it from what you've read out. And that is, that's where we'll leave it. I've got other books in the pipeline. You know, I bought myself some books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got some educational books that we might get into at a different date, possibly, possibly, possibly not. talk about some of the topics. Aye, we'll aye, see. I always, always bridging that work, personal life and fun. You know, they all blend into this horrible amalgamation that is called <laughs> life. And the ebbs and flows continue. But why not? And with that, we will see you on Wednesday. Au revoir. See you later.